0: Book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. Joe and Amy, we are in a 75-day look at the New Testament. And uh, if this is your first Sunday with us during that time, welcome. We have uh, spent a lot of time reading through the Gospels and the book of Acts. And those of you that are on this reading plan know that today we're reading Romans chapters 10 through 12. Tomorrow we will finish the book of Romans. And before you know it, will be in the books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. It's not too late to start reading. It's not too late just to dive in. Start Tuesday morning if you want to with uh, 1st Corinthians chapter 1. Start today with Romans chapter 10. You will be blessed. It has been neat as we've read the Gospels and then the history of the book of Acts to really dive into what many people believe might be the most important book in the entire Bible, the book of Romans Um, It it is just a masterpiece by the Apostle Paul, and trying to figure out what to share in terms of the blog has been a real challenge for me personally, just to be honest with you, because there is so much there, and um, I I just, I love the book of Romans. I really wrestled with where to go this morning in terms of this message. There are so many different places to go. Uh, I, I landed in Romans chapter 12, and we'll get there in just a moment, but I have a bevy of announcements that I need to share. Uh, we are recarpeting our nursery. If you've been in there, you know that the carpeting, for whatever reason, has really started uh, to, uh, the, the glue is disconnecting from the carpet and there's a lot of bubbles. It's really not safe, quite honestly. And right after second service, Kelly Riggs and Building and Grounds would love to have some of you come back and just help us move all the furniture out of there and tear up the carpet. So that'll be about 12.05 today. That would be on, be awesome. Don't forget the grab and go is right around the corner. If you want to help with the grab and go, we want you to help. That's a wonderful outreach to our community. Angel Tree, um, if you're new to our community, one of the real neat aspects of Clinton and DeWitt County is the blessing through the Angel Tree Ministry, where people just like you will adopt. Uh, an underprivileged child in our community and provide them with some Christmas presents. There's a couple things you need to know. Those adoptions start November 1st. You're going to hear a lot about that uh, this month. and. Um We would love to have you adopt a child if that's something that you're able and willing to do. The second thing we need to let you know is that there is an annual angel tree breakfast that is four weeks from today, November 13, 7 a.m. to 1230. Don't go eat breakfast at 8.15. We want you to come to church at 8.15, but go to breakfast before or after that. This year it's at the United Methodist Church. And uh, we'll give you more information about that as that unfolds. Many of you have asked me this morning, how is the Haiti mission team doing? Well, I'm glad you asked because I have an email right here from Ernie and crew. And I'm just going to read it. It came in last night at 930. Here's what it says. Hey, Greg and FCC, greetings from Haiti. We got here with no problem on Friday night. Today we spent the day working on getting the clinic ready, sorting supplies, we brought in a dentist chair, we fixed some doors, and did a lot of cleaning. We've been playing soccer with the Haitians and just spending time building relationships. Oh, and we got in a few games of Euchre. That's surprising, isn't it? Tomorrow we will go to church continue preparing for the clinic and getting ourselves ready for a busy week. The clinic opens up on Monday morning and we are anticipating a big crowd. Thank you for your continued prayers as we minister to both the physical and spiritual needs of the Haitian people. God bless Ernie and crew. And just a reminder, there's about 20 from our community and our church Uh, that are part of a big group of 44 that are in Haiti until Friday. And they're with Haitian Christian Outreach. You've seen and heard from Mac Burberry before. So what I want to do right now is I want to pray specifically for Ernie and the team Their names were listed on the front of the K. We're going to put them in the K again this week, so Peggy, don't let me forget. And uh, I want you to continue to lift up this team, so let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day, and I, I thank you for those people from our church and our community and really all throughout central Illinois that have given up a week of their time, most of them taking vacation time to go and serve in the poorest country in the western hemisphere and to meet, as as Ernie said, both the, the physical but also the spiritual needs of people that are hurting. Bless our team. I just pray that you keep them safe, that you keep them healthy, and that through it all, their lives will be changed in a great and mighty way, and they will be difference-making in their impact uh, as they serve in Haiti. I thank you, especially for Ernie. He's got some added leadership responsibilities on this trip, and I just pray that you give him extra strength, let him get appropriate rest, and be at his very best as he leads this team. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen. How would you define the church? Nobody's talking. We can talk back. It's okay. It's good. I promise. How would you define the church? What do you think? What is the church? Is it a social club? Is the church uh, just some times that we get together and hear the awesome music by Patty and Norma and maybe drink coffee at 1030? Is the church, um, are are we the Red Cross? Are we we a drugstore? You need something, you're sick, maybe spiritually sick or physically sick or emotionally sick, so you come to the drugstore known as the church. What is the church? Okay. All right. G- good answers. Good answers. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12 because one of the things that's really cool about the Bible and about the New Testament is that I think we get some great pictures of What the church really is and what the purpose of the church is. And and the I guess the paradigm, the picture that I really want us to look at today is one that every person in here should be able to connect with because this picture is something that you have. Here's what the church is, according to Romans chapter 12. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. So with that, I want to read for you what I think is a great passage of Scripture. You're going to be really familiar with Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We talk about the Roman road around here, the the path to salvation, starting with Romans 3.23, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, all the way up to Romans 12, where, where we hear this phraseology where Paul says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. He says, don't conform to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then you'll be able to test and prove what God's perfect will is or something along those lines but most of us right there we stop at verse 2 we don't even read on and it's really a tragedy in many ways because the, the picture that Paul paints for us in these verses that follow really should be burned into your mind they should be burned into your heart because let me venture this guess many people in 2011 don't truly understand what the church is. See, the church is more than buildings. The church is more than stained glass. The church is more than organs. The church is more than electric drums. and Is that a synthesizer, keyboard, whatever the, the phraseology would be? It's so much more than that. Let's see what God's word has to say. Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 3. Paul says these words. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. I don't have a long message today. This will be the shortest message of this whole NT75 series. But in many ways, it could be the most important My goal really this morning for you, first and foremost, is to better understand who we are and why that matters for 2011. Because here's the catch, when we really understand what it means to be the body of Christ, when we really understand that I have gifts and you have gifts, we all have gifts and we're called to use those gifts for God's glory when we truly understand how crucial it is that we really be of one mind and of one heart, for one mission, for one purpose, we won't be stopped. We can't be stopped. The gaps that you see in in your beautiful pews, uh, they'll be filled. Because when we embrace this call to be the body, it will be so contagious You won't be able to keep people out. I I believe that with all my heart. I believe it because I see it happening all over the place. I see it happening in a great and mighty way. And and I'll just throw this in. This isn't in the notes. I I really believe Satan wants nothing more than to divide us and ultimately destroy us. See, I don't think his his strategy is going to be to wipe out this sanctuary with a tornado. At least I hope not. Who wants to rebuild that, right? But I think he would like to see a spiritual tornado come in and cause devastating damage to to us so so that we get off focus, we get off center. You read the the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and and we're going to read that this week. That's exactly what they were battling. That's exactly the, the trouble that they were facing was they had lost The truth that we are one body, and we have one purpose, and we have one mission. They they were majoring in the minors. So with that, let me just give you some truth here from the text. I read it. You heard it. Here's what it says in verse 5. In Christ, we who are many form one body. That's the first truth of our scripture. We who are many form one body we are the body of christ as we read through the book of acts you saw this this unity you saw this desire to to be one no matter the circumstance the first people that we saw from were people like peter and john their their boldness to stand before the sanhedrin to stand before ruling bodies of that day And say, We're here because Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. The power's in the resurrection. They said, Shut up. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear about resurrection. We don't want to hear about overcoming death. Peter and John said, We can't be quiet because salvation's found in no one else. In Christ, we who are many form one body. And so I want to just drive home with this big idea here. If there's a key word that I I want in your mind, it's that word unity. We are a united body driving ahead, striving to make a difference. There's a second truth, and this is really kind of the bulk of the message before uh, this morning. Paul says we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. Um, If you are a Christian... It is a biblical truth that you are gifted. Now, some of you would would take me to task on that. Some of you would say, I I am not gifted at all. And and the really cool thing about this passage, and we're going to get to it in just a moment, is that we actually have a bevy of gifts that are listed. And some of them you might not really think of as spiritual gifts. But here's the catch. Um, I'm not gifted musically. So you have someone like Jim Koontz and Dixie's in the back and Patty and Ruth is here a lot of times and Norma and many, many, many others, Larry and Kim, use their musical gifts for the glory of God. Can you imagine how lame worship would be if I led worship every Sunday? If I sat at the piano with my one finger and tried to, you know, do Jesus Loves Me? We'd be singing Jesus Loves Me every week. We all have different gifts. What about our, our wedding coordinator ministry? I love the way we do weddings here at First Christian Church. A lot of you probably don't even realize this, but ladies like Candy Heap and Joyce Mathias and and Kelly Pine and Anne-Marie Hubble, they spend hours upon hours with brides that are getting ready to get married here and their family, and they go through all of that. And then somebody like me or Ernie or Kent, we roll in at the rehearsal, and we say hello and kind of lead the rehearsal. They're really kind of leading the rehearsal. And then we roll in about 15 minutes before the wedding, and we perform the ceremony, and people come up to us, and they're like, Preacher, that was just an awesome ceremony. You did a great job putting that all together. I can barely say thank you without smiling because I had very little to do with it. That's because I'm not gifted in that arena, and people like Candy and Kelly and Joyce and Anne-Marie are. What about our funeral dinner ministry? So many of you have been blessed, even this, this fall, by our funeral dinner ministry. You don't want people like Ernie and I making funeral dinners. Let me just tell you that, okay? You don't want that. It would not be very hospitable, but we have people like Jane Ann and Clarine and Uh, Goldie and Audrey and Louise, and many, many, many others that have that giftedness and they use that giftedness for God's glory. But here's the catch Do you realize that in most churches, 80% of the work that is done is accomplished by just 20% of the people? 80% of the ministries that take place, the service that takes place, is done by just 20%. Now I think we're better than that at First Christian Clinton, but we're not a lot better. In fact, Gallup just did a poll last year, and they found that only 10% of the people in church in 2009, it was a survey based on 2009 statistics, are active in a ministry. 10%, just 1 in 10. And here's the sad thing, 50% of those people surveyed Said they had absolutely no desire at all to serve in any way, shape, or form. There were seven gifts that Paul lists. These aren't the only gifts. You can go to 1 Corinthians 12. You can go to 1 Corinthians 14. You can go to Ephesians chapter 4 and find many other gifts. But let's put those seven up on the screen right here prophecy, service, teaching, encouragement, giving, leadership, and mercy. the temptation for me is just to roll on, but I know for some of you, you're saying, give me a definition. What's he mean by that? So I'm going to give you snapshot definitions. I grabbed this out of a commentary this week. There's probably other definitions that are out there. You might want to email me and say, I don't really like this definition. That's okay, but this will give you a big picture of what these gifts are all about. Prophecy, offering guidance from the Spirit or for God's Word in particular circumstances. Too many times we think that prophecy has to be something that's given to you that's going to happen in the future. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. There are many times that that did play out in the Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled many of those prophecies. But if you come to me, and you're married, and you say, man, I've got this awesome co-worker of the opposite sex at work, and boy, we're having a lot of fun hanging out, and I say to you, run, flee, stay away. I'm offering you guidance from God's Word. That's the Joseph principle with Potiphar's wife. He fled temptation. Offering guidance. What about service? Literally, service means to wait on tables. Can you think of a precedent in God's word where that plays out? Acts chapter 6. We call it the deacon passage. There was a need that took place. Peter, John, the others, they were really busy going before the Sanhedrin, proclaiming Christ, proclaiming the resurrection. They said, we've got to raise up some people to wait on these tables. These widows are being neglected, and we cannot neglect them. And that's exactly what they did. They found seven spirit-filled individuals that stepped up, and those were the first deacons. Service is literally to wait on tables. Now, it doesn't just have to be a a food arena. Service is tearing out carpet in the nursery after church, second service. Oh, by the way, (laughs) service is showing up on December 17th, when there'll probably be three inches of snow on the ground, and being a blessing as the the poor and underprivileged in our community come into our church for a couple hours for grab and go some of you i know that's way outside your comfort zone you're saying that's just not something i would be comfortable with you know what i'd say to that good be here put a smile on and watch how god shakes your world how god changes your world teaching what's teaching instruction in the whole counsel of God. Isn't it interesting, by the way, that service is listed before teaching in Romans 12? I I wonder if Paul's trying to send a message. What about encouragement? It's being a helpful companion. I'm speaking at the men's retreat this weekend on Barnabas. Barnabas, many of you know, means son of encouragement. And I'm looking at the different aspects of an encourager through Barnabas's life. Barnabas was always there filling a need, no matter what the need was. If the need was a a, a financial need, guess what? He sold a field and gave the money. If the need was embracing someone that people weren't sure about, he went to Paul and he said, I'm glad you're on God's team now. Come hang out with me. If it was helping restore someone who had fallen short and failed and been a disaster like John Mark, it it was Barnabas that stepped up and said, I see value in you. I want to give you a second chance. And oh, by the way, that John Mark that quit on the first missionary journey, that Barnabas gave a second chance to, guess what? He went on to write the gospel of Mark. Encouragement. I'll tell you, that's probably my favorite aspect of serving here at First Christian Church in Clinton, I have never had so many encouragers who bless me personally, and I, I, I'm not even going to rattle off names because I'll leave people out. But so many different people have that gift of encouragement, and they use that gift of encouragement for me and for so many of you. It's an incredible, incredible gift. What about giving, freely sharing God-given resources of time and money? What about leadership? Inspiring others to believe in and act on God honoring goals and visions. I love leaders that have a vision. They're big picture leaders. And I'm blessed to serve with some great big picture leaders. And then finally, mercy. Last thing that Paul lists is mercy. I'm going to call that to have great compassion for others in very difficult circumstances. We live in a dog-eat-dog world, don't we? Uh, Right? How many of us, when we see the news and we see a sentence being enacted by a judge, our first thought is, well, they're getting what they deserve. Good for him. Good for her. Throw down that justice. There's times in my life I've needed mercy. There's times in your life you've needed mercy. And my guess is there was a Christian sister or a Christian brother that reached out and shared mercy with you each one has different gifts according to the grace given us there's a third truth that i want to expose real quickly this morning in this passage of scripture it's in verse 5 it says each member belongs to all the others each member belongs to all the others How many of you remember the song in the 1970s? Some of you weren't born in the 1970s, I realize. But in the 1970s, you had that song by Sister Sledge. Remember the song, We Are Family. I've Got All My Sisters in Me. Not good English, great song. I love that song. Um, I won't sing it, I promise. But the point is this. We're in this together. This is not a a one-man or a one-woman show. This is not a ten-man or a ten-woman show. We belong to one another. We're here to serve one another. We're here to be a blessing for one another. That's what Paul says to to the Christians in Rome. Very relevant for us today. Um, So what's it take for First Christian Church to to properly function. I want to throw this out real quickly. We've used this before in the past. But I want you to think in terms of the three T's. If we're going to be all we can be as the body of Christ, we need people that are willing to give their time, people that are willing to give their talent, and people that are willing to give their treasure. Think of time, think of talent, think of treasure. This isn't a new concept. It, It takes time to do the ministries that we are a part of here. And whether it's the mission team that J.D. Harold leads, or it's the building and grounds team, or it's the Christian education team, or or it's maybe not even official ministry teams that that are putting together incredible ministries like what's taking place with the grab-and-go. We have to have people that say, "I, I will spend the time. And I have talent. I will plug in and I will share my talent. And oh, by the way, I will give my treasure. I will sacrificially give in order to be a blessing, in order to make a difference. Bottom line is this. We must work together. That's what Paul is trying to drive home here. As Christ followers, striving to make a difference. So real quickly, how do we work together? What's that look like? Let me give you three pictures to, to, to leave with today. The first picture is this. We have to lean on the strength that the Lord provides. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, Peter shares these words. He says, if anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Too many times we want to lean on our own strength. But Peter says lean on the strength that the Lord Provides. I think a second challenge for you this morning is this: allow love to be the motivating factor in our service. Allow love to be what really motivates. In that same passage in in chapter 4 of 1 Peter and verse 8, Peter just says, simply, above all, more than anything else he says, love one another deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. John, the apostle John, in 1 John chapter 4, says, dear friends, let's love one another because love comes from God. Since God loved us, we also should love one another. So let love be that that motivating factor. And then finally, do it all in the context of a Christian community of believers I want you to turn back real quickly. We're done with Acts in our NT75, but we can never be done with some of the truth that is pl- proclaimed in the book of Acts. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 2 real quickly. I love this, this uh, one-sentence statement in verse 42. It's a description of, of the first-century church. We shared it last week during the communion time. Here's what Dr. Luke writes, he says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayer. And three of those four, I think we've got pretty good understanding of. The apostles' teaching, obviously preaching and teaching of God's word, it's central to who we are, to what we're about. We understand that the breaking of bread, it's communion. And that's why every week we ask for you just to take a couple minutes and just not think about anything else but as that little wafer comes by and that little welch's grape juice comes by just to remember jesus body Jesus' blood and then the fourth thing their prayer prayer is an important part of our church it's that second phrase that i think many of us struggle with it says they devoted themselves to the fellowship and for many of us when we think fellowship we think fellowship time ten thirty, bagels muffins coffee, hot tea, hot chocolate. That's what we think of. Or maybe when we hear fellowship, we think Wednesday night meal. This week, by the way, Kevin Peterson's cooking breakfast, so you know it's going to be really good. But fellowship, according to the New Testament, is so much more than eating some monkey bread with someone or sharing a cup of coffee with someone. It's this idea of bearing one another's burdens and blessings. It's saying, you need something, I'm there. I need something, come help me out. It's in the context of community. And I would say this, our church, we're in kind of a a danger zone in that we're not a small church, we're not a mega church, but it's easy to come and just be really anonymous, just to kind of slide into a pew, shake a couple hands, and never really get connected within a community. That's why Bible school is so, so, so important. That's why Wednesday night Bible study time, I talk all the time about families at first. I want you to come eat and fellowship. I really do. Have an opportunity to grow spiritually with others. We have Tuesday morning women's study. We have opportunities for you to grow in the context of a community. The bottom line this morning is this. I hope you've grabbed it. We are the body we are the body of Christ let's pray God thanks for today and thank you for blessing us thank you for this truth that uh, is just obvious in scripture we see it over and over again that we are the body of Christ and help us never to get uh, to where we find ourselves falling into the trap of just quote-unquote doing church or doing spiritual things or doing religious things and lose sight of the fact that we are your body And that we're not here to be a really cool social club. We're not here to sing some really cool songs or hear some nice lectures. We're here to make a difference. We're here to be your body. Thank you for your son Jesus, the difference he makes. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.